Gary Gensler to the principal's office. Can we get Gary <laughs> Gensler to the principal's office? Wait, I thought he was the principal. You can bring him to another office. There's there's the principal's principal, which he is Ooh. now going to. Yeah, so he has been summoned. Bankless Nation, it is the last Friday of March. It's time for, what is it, David? Uh, the Bankless Friday Weekly Rollup, where we cover the entire weekly news in crypto, which is always an ambitious endeavor. This week is a medium week, not so bad, so everyone can take medium. a breather. Medium, still, still a lot to happen though. Uh, so yeah, we persevere nonetheless, regardless of whether it was a big week or a medium week uh, in crypto. And here we are. Yeah, you have to, you have to keep going, right? Because you never know which rollup might be the last rollup. You just never know. <laughs> Life is uncertain, David. Uh, a few topics of the week, though. Oh, I, I got to start here. You're not in your usual place, though. No, a different I am background. Not. Different Where background. Yeah, I am currently in Montenegro, which is not an ev- ever a spot that I ever thought I'd be. To be honest. Wait a second. Wait a second. Is that isn't that the place Do Kwan was just found? Or like late last week, a Friday of last week, and that, and you are there too. I was at the same airport that Do Kwan Do Kwan was at like five days uh, ahead of me. Yeah, I'm I'm on the hunt for Do Kwan. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm People doing. People don't know right now whether you're joking or, or what's going on, but we'll, we'll just let the mystery continue. We got some topics of the week. Number one, there is a CFTC versus Binance battle. Binance getting busted by the CFTC. We're going to dig into that. What else, David? Uh, ZKEVM continues. We got two of them this week. Last week we had one. This week we have They're two. doubling every week. Yeah, every week. So far they have been doubling every single week for two weeks in a row. Uh, and then lastly... Uh, Gary Gensler to the principal's office. Can we get Gary Gensler to the principal's office? Uh, Wait, I thought he was the principal. You can bring uh, him to another office? There's, there's the principal's principal, which he Ooh. is now going to. Yeah, so he has been summoned uh, to, uh, testify, are these the right words, uh, in court about his actions against the crypto community? In court? Uh, is it in court no, or in excuse Congress? Me, no, not in court, not in court. In front the of court uh, of the it, people, me, which is Congress. Gary Gensler to face Congress grilling over crypto policy. Gary Gensler will testify before the House Financial Services Committee. Okay. So Gary Gensler is testifying in front of the House about his treatment of us. There we go. Those are the details. I'm 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 here for a good Gensler grilling. I'm I'm yes. here for it. Let's yes. let's do it. It's Product about market time. fit. <laughs> That's what exactly what I want. <laughs> Got to get to the markets, David. What is Bitcoin telling us on the week? Uh, Bitcoin down half a percent, which I consider flat. Uh, so started the week at twenty eight thousand ish. Currently, or twenty eight thousand seven hundred. Currently at twenty eight thousand four hundred and twenty. Okay. Flat, flat flat week for Bitcoin. Flat on the week, flat I'll week take a Bitcoin. flat. Uh, how about ETH? ETH down 2.3% on the week, started the week at $1,825, currently at $1,795, 2.5%. I mean, all this, not bad considering, right? Not considering US that dollar the world's price, on fire. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, interesting. I think we'll get into that in a little bit. How about the ratio? What's that saying on the week? Also flat? Uh, down 2%, um, so 0.063. So I believe the third consecutive week of a down ratio price. Um, Bitcoin still has that strength. Bitcoin, uh, yeah, this Bitcoin still dominant, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, how about total crypto market cap? We $1.23 trillion. One, two, three. Not too bad. I Look, I consider all of this a win in this economic environment. Oh, um, yeah. A bear yeah. market, right? Yeah. Just like, hopefully, this is not only narrative hopefully there was actually real new buyers of bitcoin in the last since the last banking crisis the worst case scenario would be that it was just sidelined 
crypto traders who had a bunch of stable coins who then decided to buy on the narrative that real buyers would be coming. That's what we don't want to be true. What we do want to be true is bankers were like, Bitcoin, okay. I think that's probably still early. I think it's all still the same recycled buyers, but that's how Ooh, all that's of these the things case. start. That's the bear case. I know case. that's still the bear case, but it doesn't mean that they're wrong right now. And you have to start somewhere. And you always sure. start with that foundation of existing buyers who are like, I'm a little scared. I'm going to stable coins. And then they right. buy back in. I think this might be the story as to why, David. And this to me looks like fundamentals. This is from Jim mm. Bianco. This is the Fed's updated balance sheet. You can see the numbers here. Now, two thirds of the quantitative tightening has been reversed. So over the course of starting in 2021, all the way to up till March, the Fed had been actually, sorry, from 2022, March of 2022 or so, up till 2023, a full year, the Fed had been tightening. Mm -hmm. They had been um, destroying assets uh, on the balance sheet, decreasing the balance sheet, I, I, I should right. say. And it went from like $9 trillion all the way to 8.35 trillion. So they got $700 billion in decrease in the Fed balance sheet. And then what happened, David? Uh, then $500 billion came back inside of two weeks. <laughs> so <laughs> nice try, Fed. You guys, you guys really did your best. Uh, and, and Ryan, you're saying, you said we, uh, the Fed was able in the last year, again, the interest rate started March, 2022. Uh, now we are in March, 2023, one year. So we had good, a good old Good old try, a good old, yeah. good old fashioned Fed try. Good old reducing, college try. Good old college try. We started at basically <laughs> $9 trillion. So when you said we shaved off $700 billion, we, mm. we started from $9 trillion. So $700 billion mm. is a lot of money. It's quite a lot of money. Uh, we started from $9 trillion. We got down to basically $8.3 trillion. And then in the last, it took us a year to go from $9 trillion to $8.3 trillion. And now it took us two weeks to go from $8.3 trillion to $8.7 trillion, $7.5 trillion. David, yeah. this seems to be the big debate. You had a good run, Fed. <laughs> well, well, like th there's still some debate here. So a lot yeah. of people are still saying, including uh, Ben Hunt, whom we had on the podcast as part of kind of are the banks insolvent? Is the dollar going to hyperinflate? Says this spike right here is just temporary. You know, mm -hmm. he always uses the analogy of like you inject liquidity right into the heart, right? This is kind of the like right. wake up the patient kind mm -hmm. of needle. Uh, and then it, it goes back down eventually. Right. Right. Whereas Bology, Arthur mm -hmm. Hayes say, uh-uh. This is permanent. And by the way, this spike, you ain't seen nothing yet. This is going to continue to increase. Bology is like, in 90 days, this is going to be massive. Whereas right. Arthur Hayes thinks it will take years. Jim Bianco gave us a pretty recent take, I feel like, was, was kind of in the middle. Wait and see. How would you summarize Jim Bianco's take from our episode earlier this week? Jim Bianco is towards the Ben Hunt end of the spectrum. So I would say Bology and Arthur Hayes are actually pretty close to each other in terms of their position. Like Bology saying 90 days until Bitcoin's $1 million, which is very fast. Arthur Hayes saying two years to a million dollars, which is still very fast. He's ben saying Hunt, two years, maybe a million. A yeah, million's maybe, on yeah. the table in two years. Yeah. Ben Hunt is like, that's complete noise and ridiculousness and actually totally irresponsible. And Jim Bianco is less 
um, emotional, I'd say, than Ben Hunt is, but still directionally agrees with Ben Hunt saying that, yes, this line that we are looking at on the screen is extremely vertical. We just erased two years of rising interest rates. Think of all the, the pain in the market that we've had for t- the last year, excuse me, the year of interest rates. Think about the pain that we've had. And then we just erase all of that progress from the Fed's perspective inside of two weeks. Jim Bianco says, okay, but this spike that we've had is not systemic. Um, it doesn't mean the same amount of QE and liquidity injection that stimmy checks do. Uh, and so this is um, much more contained, uh, compartmentalized to just the banking sector. And it's not going to leak out to the actual bank accounts of, you know, mom and pop and Joe and, and Alice. Right. Uh, and so uh, I think I think this is actually if, and of those four interviews that we did. And damn, did we really try and get down to the bottom of this? And I feel like we did with Jim Bianco. Yeah, I uh, feel uh, I feel closure on this. Honestly, yes. it, I, I went in being like, Let, let's get two sides of the story here. And what we ultimately ended up getting is like four, four different four perspectives, yeah. which is which is actually closer to reality. I mean, mm-hmm. things are complicated. Real life is right. complicated. And so yeah. getting all of those four perspectives uh, kind of, uh, yeah, I feel closure on it anyway. This right. is another piece um, of the macro story here. This is Elf saying the same thing, macro Elf that is. Mm-hmm. It took 215 years for the US to reach 7 trillion in debt. This is, he's zooming out here. Then it took only 27 months, March 2020 to June 2022, to add another seven trillion. 215 years to get to the first seven trillion, David, and then 27 months to get to the ne- next seven trillion. This is, of course, all of the outstanding debt, um, you know, from COVID. This is the big jump right, right here. These 27 months. This right. is the big story, I think, here of like if you zoom out a little bit, even past the the two year mark. Look how large and how fast the Fed balance sheet has actually grown. Yeah, he also finishes that tweet saying, uh, debt is not a bug of our credit-based money system. It's actually a feature. What does he mean by that? I'm confused by that. I think he's saying central banks are kind of designed to do this. This is what they do. Um, I mean, this is the nature of like compound interest, right? So like when you see an exponential curve like that, I don't think it should be totally like foreign that this is happening because- I mean, this when you inflate a currency at two percent per year, this is actually the the shape, the same shape of the chart that it would look like. Uh, this yeah. is uh, certainly more than two percent per but year, you, but did, this is what happens. Did you listen to so Ben Hunt's strongest point to me is like you can have a hard money Bitcoin type of or right. Ethereum type of um, monetary system right. because what you lose is credit. You you right. lose this the ability to pool social credit right. together, and yeah. that's what a fiat regime brings. And, right. and by the way, he, he would argue the last, you know, 100, 150 years of economic pr- prosperity, everything we enjoy in a modern economy is because we have that social credit. We have that trust. Right. And so right. he really rejects the, the idea that we would kind of go back in time and reestablish things. Uh, that, so that's his take. And I think maybe Macro Alpha is saying something similar in, mm. in debt is not a bug of our credit-based uh. money system. It's, it's a feature, Right. How else do you get credit, David, in kind of a hard money, hard asset regime? That right. that's the the question Ben Hunt posed, and I understand elements of that. And yeah. Jim Jim Bianco kind of echoed that, and he's like, "Hey, banks actually play this is bankless, but banks play a function. <laughs> Did you know the function that they play is not as a data is not as a money warehouse? That's kind of stupid. I mean, we can hold our own private keys. We don't have to warehouse our money inside of a um, you know Wells Fargo, but the role that they do play is like small community credit creation." And that mm-hmm. is a role that right now DeFi and cryptos is not 
fulfilling. And there is some role for banks in, in that world. So I understand that perspective too. Yeah, I think the thought experiment to really um, understand this this metaphor that Ben Hunt was saying was that um, say say we have a Bitcoin standard, you could have a bank that have Bitcoin that has Bitcoin deposits that operates on a fractional reserve system. So they take in ten Bitcoins and then they lend out. 100 bitcoins and then they charge interest rates to get that back the 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 reason why so in theory like you could still get credit in a bitcoin system uh if you had just like a bitcoin bank that denominated in bitcoin and did the whole fractional reserve thing that's technically still possible the reason why the economics would still be different is that in the bitcoin banking system with a Bitcoin standard with Bitcoin credit, you actually don't have a federal reserve, which can mint Bitcoins on the other side to backstop banks if something goes wrong. And so even in a Bitcoin banking system, you still have uh, much more credit risk because again, if the bank goes insolvent, you have somebody who can print Bitcoins on the other side, which allows for more credit at lower interest rates, therefore more investment in the future, therefore ultimately more debt on the federal reserve's balance sheet to happen. Yeah, this sense? is my question. Look, look at this chart, David. So this central bank chart, how does this chart compete against this chart? Something like this, <laughs> a crypto economic Man, system. And by the way, for, those are going for, for those directions. not seen in podcast, like uh, uh, just listening to this. So the Fed balance sheet is obviously, you know, spiking up, expanding mm-hmm. at a uh, precipitous rate. And I just pulled up ultrasound money, which is Ethereum uh, supply decreasing. Um, right. Those charts look down. inverted to each other. So which do you want to hold? Do you want to hold right. treasuries in the dollar yeah. or do you want to hold this thing? That's what I don't think central bankers have fully calculated that now right. there is another option, right. a better option. And, and we get to, is, we do get to have both. Like we want to, as individuals, hold ether because of its deflationary properties and its store of value over the long term. And as a society, we also want fiat so we can get a home loan. For example, both are good. Both I have think you their, can have both. both. Have their, I think you can totally have both. Yeah, but, but I'm not holding this one. I'm not holding dollars <laughs> though. I am. Well, so like I, I have a home loan. Uh, I have debt in dollars. I love debt in dollars. Oh, I don't love, you? Isn't it great? You ever look at your mortgage great. and and you're just like, oh my god, that is just inflating away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is getting uh, less expensive over time. Right. Fantastic. Yeah. Meanwhile, I've got ether on the other side. Like that is a beautiful symbiosis. <laughs> for you, it is definitely for, for me. I don't yeah. know what it does to society. I mean, that this is what we're grappling with. Um, yeah. This is Chris Berninski's take on this on this whole thing, David. Which is, uh, he says this. Um, maybe this kind of sums up the discussion we've had. A number of people asking me what I think about in the context of the current banking crisis, regulatory fights, Bology's bet, and so on. So here it goes. Current banking crisis is bullish for crypto long run. Short term, we're likely in the eye of the storm, so expect volatility, but the banking crisis has been a monetary-induced policy. Too much, too fast with rate hikes, and will be solved by monetary policy. Fed and other central banks will drop rates, perhaps even this year, as the market is now anticipating, which will allow existing bonds to rally, and voila, banks that are currently struggling will have healthy balance sheets again, in quotes. This banking crisis is also more likely to cause disinflation than hyperinflation, in Chris's opinion. Credit is drying up. That's interesting. BTFP isn't the same as Stimmies. Stimmies went straight to consumer spending, whereas BTFP is shoring up bank balance sheets, which is likely to just sit there. But disinflation will give the Fed and the other central banks cover to lower rates. And that will breathe air back into the fire of growth stocks and crypto turning to regulation and crypto. And then he ends with this. As for Balaji's bet, I don't take him literally, but more as directionally alerting people. 
In this distracted day and age, sometimes you need to do severe things to get people's attention. He's done that. But as I said earlier, I think disinflation from here is more likely than hyperinflation, at least for the coming years. Really interesting take here is um, Balaji was kind of being intentionally nomadic about this. And the bit signal, 90 days, a million dollar Bitcoin bet, that was him intentionally kind of being <laughs> hyperbolic Alarmist. about right. this. He said he wasn't, he said he wasn't doing that. Yeah, I know. He, he said on the podcast that he, this is not him doing a marketing stunt. Yeah. Well, so I another reasonable take from Chris, and uh, I guess we'll see. Uh, we are, what, you know, 80 days left, 75 days left. Yeah. Um, speaking of upcoming dates, what do mm -hmm. we got happening pretty soon, David? Uh, we got withdrawals happening pretty soon, Ryan. Uh, Ether withdrawals coming. Uh, the date is April. What's the date? If you scroll down, I can read it up because I don't 12th, have it memorized. April 12th. April 12th. And so LSD tokens are getting uh, a nice little bump in their price because of the incoming uh, uh, Shanghai upgrade. So this is when we can, as validators, withdraw our Ether and... Ether just gets violently sold into the market and the <laughs> Ether goes to zero, crashes. Yeah, that's what happens next. Yeah. Well, what do you think is going to happen at withdrawal? It's up or down? Price go up, number go down? What do you think? Flat, flat. Yeah? Flat. Staking token's going up flat, now. Flat, first, first flat, maybe for a week, maybe for two weeks, and then people will realize that it was quite literally a bullish unlock in the sense that the stakers just aren't dumping their Ether because stakers are inherently bullish Ether. And then people will realize that everyone that hasn't bought Ether in the last month because they're fearful of the staking withdrawal uh, unlock are going to be like, oh, it's over. And the stakers didn't sell. Well, I'll guess I'll buy back my Ether and then so we David, go up. David thinks uh, the unlock will be bullish. It'll be flat bullish and unlock. bullish. For, for, oh, okay. Flat for bullish a week-ish and then bullish, yeah. Uh -huh. I don't have a strong opinion on that, so I'll just take yours. Uh, sounds mm -hmm. good, David. Uh, yeah. Tell me about Arbitrum. Are you that surprised that my conclusion is that it's bullish? bullish Are you surprised about that opinion? <laughs> I'm not, David. I'm not surprised <laughs> at that opinion. <laughs> Let's talk about Arbitrum, though. So they had a token launch. Was that last week? Token uh, went out to the market last week, week before it launched. Yeah, it was yes. last week. It, okay, it was announced so, two weeks ago. It was launched right, last right, week. Right, 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 right. It's all yeah. blurring to me. Arbitrum yeah. uh, total locked value jumped a nice $2 billion. You can see two it in the billion. charts yeah. on layer two beat. And uh, there was also some reports of airdrop farming. What is this tweet, David? Yeah, so this is a tweet of what looks like just uh, one device emulating what looks like hundreds of devices, and I can only assume processing transactions on Arbitrum. So this is what a modern-day airdrop farm looks like. Um, uh, I'm still yet to see an analysis, a report of the farmed nature of the ARB airdrop. Um, it's like so 600,000 addresses, and we don't yeah. know what percentage of them might be farmed. Hopefully it's low, but yep. you're worried that it might be... I'm Hi. I'm sure the efforts of the Arbitrum airdrop like curation like the criteria pruned yeah. away like 90% of at least 90% of the airdrop farmers efforts but like 90% like they need to have well it, it is what it is ideally they would prune away 100 pruning away 100 is damn near impossible how close to 100 did they get is the million dollar question and I have yet to see an answer to that question how successful were airdrop farmers? We do not know the answer to that. Uh, decentralized exchanges seem to be recently successful. This is Hayden Adams tweeting, Dex versus centralized exchange. I don't know if to say sex. You're not, you're not going to say sex? Uh, Dex versus sex volume is at an all-time <laughs> high of 25%. 
since the FTX collapse. Uh, pretty incredible yeah. on the back of new, 2022. New all-time high. high. Yeah. Yeah. Decentralized exchanges are crushing it. Yeah. Um, this is a tweet about, have you ever wondered, David, how much ETH is, is just lost forever? As a I have actually. I've, I actually wonder about that quite a lot. Okay, well, um, this is Connor, and he's got the answer for it. You want to read this? Thanks, thanks Connor. Uh, <laughs> Connor says, uh, I've categorized thousands of instances of Ethereum typos, user errors, and buggy contracts. Thus far, I've found 636,000 Ether, about $1.15 billion, that is lost forever, and I'm assuming verifiably lost forever, uh, which is about half a percent of the circulating supply. So That's that a is, lot. That's not a small amount. That's not a small amount. And you yeah. can see where he came up with some of these numbers. The parity wallet bug alone. Oh, God. <laughs> that's <laughs> almost like... That sucks. Yeah, that's almost that like 0.5% so alone. Uh, that's, a, that's a good piece of Ethereum history lore that I bet you a lot of 2021 uh, crypto people don't know too much about. Oh, okay. Well, why, why don't you tell them? Uh, oh, God. It's such a crazy story, man. Uh, so there was this library of code. I don't know. Um, this is stretching my developers' like technical ability to tell the story. But like there was this library, code-based library or something, and a junior dev on uh, the parody team was messing around with it and sent this very infamous message um, to, I think, inside the parody Slack that says something along the lines of, oops, I accidentally killed it. He accidentally deleted the code library or something, which basically froze the multi-sig for Parity. Uh, Parity was a consensus client um, that um, didn't. How did they get all that ether? That wasn't this, an ICO, I thought this was, was it? The, the the polka dot um, raise. Was this the okay. polka dot raise? Yeah, right. my, yes. my memory of this is this is a polka dot raise. They basically put right. it in a uh, in a wallet, a smart contract, like a multi-sig type early right. prototype smart uh, a, contract a, type a, wallet, and there was a, a bug multi-sig in the wallet. that wasn't the Gnosis safe. It was their own custom made uh, multi-sig. Yep, yep. and the bug uh, caused a billion dollars worth of ETH now to be stranded there forever and locked forever. So I, yeah, the, the message is: I think I killed it. <laughs> That is terrible. Um, <laughs> unfortunate, but that means 0.5%, which isn't yeah. even included in the ultrasound money chart of ETH yeah. is probably locked forever. And it's, yeah. it's, uh, getting, that's going to increase over time. That much. Yeah. Uh, yeah. all right, David, what do we have coming up next? Coming up next, we got the big news of the week. Gary Gensler goes to the principal's office, which yeah, I'm sure everyone is just to, would love to talk about that. But first, we're going to have to talk about Binance getting busted by the CFTC, and we'll give our takes about that, how serious of a deal that is. Uh, ZK EVMs, an Euler update, SBF managed to get in trouble again. <laughs> and so we'll talk about that and more. But first, a moment to talk about some of these fantastic sponsors that make the show possible, especially Binance gets busted David, the CFTC sued Binance over what they say are regulatory violations. This is a press release from the CFTC. What is going on here? Yeah, so the CFTC has filed a civil enforcement action charging CZ and three entities that operate the Binance platform with numerous violations of the Commodity Exchange Act and other CFTC regulations. So this complaint charges that Binance Holdings Limited, Binance Holdings IE Limited, and Binance Services Holdings Limited, together Binance, 
man, that's a lot of entities. Um, and that's not all of them. Operate the uh, Binance centralized digital asset trading platform along with number of other corporate vehicles through an intentionally opaque common enterprise with CZ at the helm. As Binance's owner and chief executive officer, the defendants allegedly chose to knowingly disregard applicable provisions of the uh, Commodities Enforcement Act while engaging in a calculated strategy of regulatory arbitrage to their commercial benefit. Okay, let me summarize that. Uh, TLDR, CFTC is suing Binance and CZ on allegations that the company knowingly offered unregistered crypto derivatives products inside the United States against federal law. Like that's a crypto derivative is like a future or something. Yes. And they didn't get the CFTC's blessing. Exactly, yeah. Uh, directed U.S. customers to evade compliance controls through VPNs. Poorly supervised its business, didn't implement KYC or AML, AML processes, and had also had a poor anti-evasion program. And also, they never registered as f- a compliant futures commissions merchant. Uh, and so, uh, the CFTC, in continuing litigation against its defendants, the agency seeks disgorgement, civil monetary penalties, permanent trading and registration bans, and a permanent injunction against further violations of the CEA and CFTC regulations. This this is interesting, David. This is not a charge of fraud. It seems like yep. it's basically it's uh, you didn't follow the this, rules. You did not you follow did, the you rules. Didn't yeah, file the paperwork and register right. for your yeah. you know derivatives products, and you didn't do the AML KYC stuff that uh, is required by U.S. financial law, the CFTC. Yeah. Um, this is not like an SBF. You're running a Ponzi scheme. There's right. the, you know the assets aren't backed type of right. charge. I don't even think it's the the uh, the same type of charge that um, Bitfinex was charged with, uh, which was some of this, Bit, no, but wasn't Bitmax, there also Bitmax? Bitmax, Bitmax. Right. Excuse me. Well, Bitmax was, was charged of, with violating the Bank Secrecy Act, which is a massive deal. Right. Um, so what what does all this mean? What it, like what's your take on this? Uh, well, there's there's some other things in this report as well. So there's a link in the show notes to, to read the b- report. There are some pretty damning things. And so here, here's a link. There is a thread of, we are looking at one tweet in a very long thread of a summary of this report. And so I'll read this one tweet to kind of indicate the more egregious side of things of instead of just like failing to do KYC and f- re- uh, registering. So uh, reading from the report here, internally, Binance officers, employees, and agents have acknowledged that the Binance platform has facilitated potentially illegal activities. For example, in February 20. 2019, after receiving information regarding Hamas transactions on Binance, uh, Lim, a, a Binance executive, explained to a colleague that terrorists usually send small sums as large sums constitute money laundering. Uh, so they send small money through Binance because they don't want to send large money because large money triggers the flags. So the colleague replied, uh, six, uh, you can barely buy an AK-47 with 600 bucks. And with regard to certain Binance customers, including customers from Russia, Lim acknowledged that in a February 2022 chat, they quote is like, come on, they are here for crime. <laughs> Binance's MLRO, I don't know what that is, agreed that we see the bad, but we close two eyes. Uh, and so like the, the more direct charge that's being made here is Binance was the host of a very significant amount of money laundering and they just completely were aware of that and just looked the other way, maybe perhaps Totally, obviously, totally willingly. So that's the more damning charge that's going on here. Yeah, and um, I also don't think that's any surprise to anyone in the crypto industry. Like, I, I guess, I, without any evidence, I totally assume that that's what's going on. Yeah, it's it's just interesting. I, I guess the posture here is okay. CFTC uh, understood. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But at the same time, they're, they're going after Binance. They're also going after, not the CFTC, but US regulators. They're going after Coinbase. I mean, we just talked about that right. last yeah. week, like shutting down Coinbase staking. Right. Um, Wells notice to, to Coinbase from the F- SEC. And I know that Coinbase is much more thorough being US located on AML mm. KYC acts. So I, you know, I don't know. Um, I understand it. I understand why the CFTC is doing this. What is um, Binance's response to this complaint? Yeah, so CZ made a response to the CFTC complaint. So I'll just read the first two sentences here. Today, the CFTC filed an unexpected and disappointing civil complaint despite our working cooperatively with the CFTC for over two years. Upon an initial review, the complaint appears to contain an incomplete recitation of facts, and we do not agree with the characterization of many of the issues alleged in the complaint. Basically, CZ is saying, like, uh, fight, they're going to fight back. Uh, I... I I'll, I'll assert again, and I'll stay state without evidence that I, with talking with me and my friends and this, the chats that we have, like it, everyone kind of assumes that CZ and Binance was allowing a bunch of money laundering to pr- process through their exchange. I know uh, a friend perhaps that has logged into Binance while under a VPN, while Binance has not been allowing U.S. customers and was still able to trade under on Binance. That is like an open thing that the industry has been doing. Americans has been doing. We've all known that that's an easy and trivial thing to do. You just use a VPN. I'm just saying this is what my friend did, would use a VPN and then get in and get out. And like that's been an open secret that the entire industry has known. So I don't think anyone is surprised that like a bunch of illegal money laundering has been going through Binance. Uh, And so the fact that this is happening... Is like I mean, no, no surprise to me, and I think an inevitable conclusion. Today's the finally the day, and the bull case for this is that Binance pays a fine, yeah. they settle with the CFTC, uh, and and maybe even gets the green light to uh, they they can argue some of the things like permanent uh, dismantling or whatever they can they can fight that in court, uh, but hopefully this actually starts a conversation which makes Binance perhaps more jurisdictionally friendly with us. It's very interesting to me because I guess they have, because they have the power to do AML KYC checks and because they have sort of the, you know, big, big red button to, to ban someone or to mm-hmm. allow them to stop logging in that they're now responsible for that, which is very interesting. Um, and as a contrast to like a DeFi protocol, right. Which has no control over these things. So the Uniswap code base, um, it has no ability to differentiate the money, the identity, anything else. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess if you are, I mean, this, this, this also not only does it sort of push some of these centralized platforms to, to button up, which is what you were saying, pay the fee and then button up. I think that's probably the, the hopeful outcome that Binance would have. It also pushes things more towards decentralized protocols where no one has the ability to do right. the AML KYC ban someone, you know, push the button where it's kind of completely open and, um, you know, the CFTC can't go, I guess maybe they can try to sanction code next, right? Which is where they, what they did They've with trying cash. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but that's well, the another CFTC fight. didn't try, but the powers that be did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Interesting stuff. Interesting stuff. Um, okay. Two what more else bits we- of news on this thread is that in the yeah. lawsuit, the CFTC versus Binance holding clearly states that Bitcoin, Ether and Litecoin are all commodities. Uh, The implication of this (laughs) is that perhaps on an alternative world, the SEC might have sued someone else saying that these things were securities, Uh, but the CFTC is saying they're commodities, which is like, this is a proxy war between the CFTC and the SEC. Yeah, right, yeah. You Uh think Gary Gensler read that and was like just pissed off? Uh, I'm sure he read it on Twitter, yeah, in his mentions, yeah. 
David, the war on crypto seems like it is continuing. There was a, an economic report from the president that came out last week. They had an entire chapter. This is like 90 pages called Digital Assets, Relearning Economic Principles. It's kind of like, oh, do you mean speed running the world of money and finance? (laughs) No, no, no. (laughs) relearning economic principles is what it was called. There was, um, I, you know, I read, uh, parts of this, not the entire thing, but like it felt like 90 pages of just FUD being like, um, okay. So let let me offer you an example. You didn't read this, did you? I skimmed it. To date, uh, cryptocurrencies don't offer any fundamental value, nor are they a better alternative to fiat money or more effective payment system. Instead, their innovation has been mostly about creating artificial scarcity in order to support crypto assets prices. And of course, the conclusion, David, the report uh, continues, is that the nation's financial infrastructure has the potential to offer these same benefits. They're basically like, yeah, that crypto thing is a you know a scam, Ponzi's get rich quick, uh, and we you know what people should be using is our central bank digital currency, our existing financial system. There is no need for cryptocurrency; it's just a bunch of grifters and scammers. And the real solution that they're looking for is, of course, the Fed coin, the central right. bank digital currency. Hey. That is the conclusion of this report. Hey man, water's wet, sky's blue. You and I are bullish ether, and the United States wants you to use the dollar. Like <sighs> this is this is just what it is. I, I look. It's is it the United States? It's definitely the White House right now. I will say that. Maybe there are other uh, factions Excuse of government. Me, the, that the powers kind of that be this. in the United States. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is Fred Arison. Fifteen percent, he says, of the annual White House report is de- devoted to crypto fud. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, uh, I have a it's, question it's for you, though. It's admirable that you even skim this thing. I have a question for you, though, David, which is mm-hmm. uh, something that's been on my mind lately, um, the last you know two to three weeks, uh, as sort of the, the anti-crypto and the pro-crypto sides, um, some of that argumentation has reached maybe a fever pitch, mm-hmm. at least a, a local high. Do you think the U.S. will ever make it illegal to own cryptocurrency? Like, flat-out ban. You as, a, you as a citizen, you must turn in your crypto kind of uh, executive order 6102. You remember that where FDR banned gold, basically you had to sell it back to the government. An individual uh, American citizen could not own more than some amount of of gold. Um, You know, basically melt down your jewelry, melt down your gold and sell it back to the feds. That's what actually happened in the early 1930s. And by the way, that that law was in existence for like 40 years. Didn't get that reversed oh. until like the 1970s. Um, do you think that could happen with crypto? No, absolutely not. Why do you not think that? Because so, we have a court of law. We will sue them. It did happen in the United States in the 1930s. And there was a court, there were courts of law. It's not like the 1930s didn't have no. courts of laws. No, no it's, it, it's, executive it's we're order. in a different society now. Oh. I, if, if I, um, I, I happen to be outside of the United States, and if that law ever got passed, I would not be coming back. Um, yeah, well, that's, that, you know, that's interesting. I, I, I haven't read much up on the kind of the 1930s if, if similar gold hoarders uh, made that choice. And by the way, that's what they were called, gold hoarders. This is sort of the, the vitriol, right. which is basically right. like, um, you must hate, you're not a patriot, you're right. just hoarding. You're greedy. You're, de- you're, you're defecting from the coordination. This is a public good. We need to all maintain our, our fiat currencies, right? Exactly. Yeah. Very, very anti, anti kind of capitalist, anti sort of like do it for the public, do it for the, the social good. Right. 
I, I guess what I'm seeing, David, is is similar narrative uh, sentiments starting. Sure, you know, like stirring, Ben's yeah. hunt push back against Balaji, where he's like, you know, you're causing a bank run, Balaji, by right. even saying this. And Balaji's right. saying, I'm just telling people to get to the lifeboats. Are you are you against lifeboats? If right. if the ship isn't sinking, you have nothing to worry about, Ben. And Ben is pointing at Balaji and saying, you're causing this. Right. What, what about kind of the social good of keeping this system intact? What We lose all of these things if everyone flees to the life raft. I'm seeing the seeds of this, this kind of idea of like right. crypto right. hoarders, crypto yeah. bros. I'm seeing it. So I don't know why you're so convinced this couldn't happen in the United States. I totally think it could. Um, I put a poll out, by the way, and I asked the question, will the U.S. ever make it legal to own uh, cryptocurrency? My fo- followers on Twitter said no, 60%. Yeah, this is surprisingly yes, 40%. close. 40 I just to don't 60%. know why you think it's not possible, but you're just saying that um, society has progressed. I mean, it's, and- it's certainly possible, but yes, it's a progression of society. It's a progression of technology. Things were more extreme back then. Uh, like th- that was an extreme time in people's lives, like pre-internet times. Dude, we had like Nazism. That was an extreme time, right? Don't we you had, think we are entering some pretty extreme, not not quite for, 1920s, 1930s right. level, like late 1920s, but like things have gotten a lot more extreme than like when I grew up in the 90s. I, I think we've I think we've adapted as a society. I think the the internet allows information to spread. It allows us to learn from history faster. Like, I don't think it would be possible for us. I'm, I'm reading a bit of history lately. Uh, I don't think it would be possible for us to have, um, uh, like, the the 60 million deaths as a result of just, like, a mind virus of communism in Soviet Russia because if we had the internet, I don't think that that would have been possible. Uh, I don't think that we would have... Uh, I think... Th- when there's just uh, imperfect information and just the way that the society worked back in those days, I think extreme circumstances were were allowed to rise much more than in today's world. Uh, and really, I think so. I totally, yeah. I totally think this is possible. This whole scenario, I totally think sixty million, a hundred million deaths could happen in the you know in the in the twenty first century. But that aside, let's talk about this oh, specifically, God. which is the U.S. could make it illegal to own cryptocurrency. I think the first step towards that wouldn't be just a flat-out ban. It would be basically a choking off of fiat yeah. to crypto exchanges. Yeah, there's other ways to do one. this. Yeah. We're already seeing a little bit of that, David. Sure. Like, we are one step down that path. And the next step would be like, sure, you can buy crypto on an exchange or an ETF, but you can't withdraw to your, um, like, just take Coinbase, take Kraken. Right. No more withdraws to non yeah, you can't, you can't leave the That'd system. The that step. seems much more yeah. possible to me. Well, and then, and then it's basically, and then after that, the next step would be, mm. if we ever get to this step would be, yeah. and by the way, bunch of crypto bro hoarders, turn in your cryptocurrency. Yeah. Make it, we, make it the sell legal it version. Us. Yeah. For sell. Mm. You have to exchange it for this ETF version of it. I'm, I'm not, look, mm. I, I still I sign like. That seems slightly more plausible. I can see this. I still think like this is 10% probability, but like if shit hits the fan. Yeah. I, I'm saying if, if. It depends on how the extreme dollars, if central banks are actually threatened, right, as they were in the 19, 1930s, like kind of, and, and then they, you know, politicians and society sort of rallies around, yeah, we have to be in this together. It's like war times is bad times. You can't, you can't leave on the lifeboat, right? It, yeah. Things get worse if everyone leaves on the, on the lifeboat. I could see it happening, but okay. maybe I'm being pessimistic here. 
anyway, I wanted to have that conversation with you. I'm glad we had that. <laughs> yeah, now I didn't know that I had to think about that, but now I do. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) let's take this to the courts. Crypto also has defenders Mm -hmm. even outside of crypto. So David, you said one of our recourses is the court system. Certainly the United States does have a court system. And uh, this is a white paper courtesy of Cooper and Kirk, which is a law firm that is actually, they've, they've previously sued the FDIC and the OCC and the Fed over Operation Chokepoint 1.0, which was the choking off of certain industries like marijuana industry from the banking system. And now they are alleging in this white paper that uh, the U.S. government is doing the same thing to crypto. What's the summary of this uh, report? Uh, Yeah, they sent a letter to U.S. Congress regarding the clandestine financial war against the cryptocurrency industry, urging Congress to hold agencies accountable and propose questions and steps to obtain answers. Uh, They are claiming that regulators are using regulatory tools and pressure tactics to prevent crypto integration to the financial system and that it's up to Congress to hold federal banking regulators accountable. Now, Ryan, I was not here during... Uh, the time in which gold was made illegal, but I would imagine maybe there was stuff like this. Maybe I'm being naive, but this is an example of like the pushback that comes very early and very hard by a very engaged community that perhaps I don't think we had way back then. Uh, And so this this isn't any action. This is just a letter that is drafted by a law firm. um, But, you know, it, it is allowing the world, the people of the United States to have foundation to stand on to air their grievances. Yep, it's basically executive branch is, is kind of forcing this, and we have two places we can, we can go to fight it. Judicial, which is the court system, which is what they're attempting to do, and they're also calling on Congress to push back against it. Speaking of Congress, mm-hmm. Gary Gensler, he's got to go in front of Congress? Is that yeah. what's happening? Yeah, Gary Gensler to face Congress grilling over crypto policy is the headline. So Gary Gensler is going to testify before testify. Gary Gensler is going to testify. Oh man, <laughs> you sound Be- giddy. <laughs> before the House Financial Services Committee, uh, its chairman Patrick uh, McHenry has confirmed that this is going to happen. This is going to happen on April 18th, uh, and he will face questions over his approach towards the crypto ecosystem. Gary is going into the hot seat. I'm sure he's going to prep for this. There's no way that he isn't like cognizant and intentional about his strategy towards the crypto world. So I'm sure he's going to come with a pre-prepared list of deflections saying something like he's already <laughs> said. It's like, I just, I just look towards the Supreme Court for guidance. I apply the rules of the securities laws that have been established before me. I'm sure he's do, just going to... Def- do you want to take a shot every time he says how he test? Yeah. Oh, I mean, I, I, I don't want to die, but, but that's a fun I, game. This is, uh, this is kind of interesting because I have observed this too. There, there does seem to be increased partisanship over crypto. I would not have said this two years ago that, yeah. you know, one, one uh, party was more pro crypto than the other. It seemed sort of about even and yeah, both were kind 50, of like yeah. almost neutral on it, but that has started to change. What is this tweet that we've pulled up here? Yeah, this is a tweet from Dennis Porter, who is a Bitcoiner that we've actually had on Bitlist before. And he tweets out, uh, pro-crypto and pro-Bitcoin Democrats are lining up to voice their opposition to their own party stance. Democrats are on the verge of driving away their own voters and losing support from this important new voter block. In my opinion, it could cost Democrats a 2024 election. And then there Hmm. are screenshots of four crypto Twitter personas who are saying that they are perhaps reconsidering their previous Democratic base in support of the Republican Party if indeed the Republican candidate was sufficiently pro-crypto and I'm sure other facts and circumstances as well. 
this is uh, someone saying, um, I have never once voted for a Republican president, mm-hmm. but is considering this. Um, this is also Chris Berninski, whom we uh, quoted earlier. Crypto is going to be an issue for voters in 2024, and already that is a sign of us winning. But I have also never seen the U.S. government be so draconian. In fact, so long as it's not Trump, it may cause me to vote Republican for the first mm-hmm. time in my life. This yeah. is very interesting. I know you have a way in yeah, on this too, I, like I almost have like a, a personal story here. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. What's what's your take on this? Yeah. So I am one of the four people that are that is being screenshotted and 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 tweeted out by by uh, Dennis. And I I said my entire family is Democrat. Um, I I was once considered myself a Democrat, and now I kind of consider myself just politically agnostic. Um, great party. Great great party. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Um, I was once a Bernie bro because F Hillary, so I'm, I'm putting my political opinions out here. Sorry for that. Um, I, too, <laughs> would vote Republican for the first time, given that it is the correct pro-crypto candidate and also the Dems continued on the anti-crypto war path. Uh, since I'm here uh, grandstanding about my political opinions, I also followed up this tweet with another tweet saying, and that... Republican would also have to be pro-choice. That's how I, what I believe. And so, like, if for me, my personal uh, political beliefs are that uh, I'll vote. I'm almost a single-issue voter for crypto, uh, so long as that candidate is not uh, an insane person. I will vote for the pro-crypto candidate. It's definitely, it's definitely making you question, right? Uh, yeah. Previous political beliefs over over this one yeah. thing, and it could start to cost the the Democrats. Is that a popular position in your family, David? Uh, <laughs> no, sure? it is not. Uh, and so, <laughs> okay. so actually, so the, growing back to Chris Berniski's tweet, I yeah. shared Chris Berniski's tweet with my in my family chat, and because my entire family is like pretty thumbs up about Elizabeth Warren. And I just said, hey, guys, like my entire industry thinks that Elizabeth Warren is super cringe and not treating us with respect and uh, is actually doing the whole emperor's wearing no clothes thing because the way she talks about our industry is coming from a place of completely just misunderstanding and being uninformed about things. And it's making our entire industry not just question her stance and information about crypto, but basically her stance and information about any other industry. It's kind of like when you when you understand how the mainstream media reports on crypto and you're like, well, they just got that wrong. And and so are is that how they report about everything? Because they're getting crypto I, wrong. Look, and so I, what about I everything else? I think that's true. Although I will say one thing is, it's just, um, I think people are inherently skeptical of like industry bias, right? Sure. There's like big pharma, there's, you know, the, you know, the gun lobby, all of these things and big banking and big crypto, that could be a thing. <laughs> crypto is not big crypto, but like crypto bros, that sort of thing. <laughs> to me, this is less about an industry fighting for, um, like its ability to exist right. and survive. Although that's part of it. To me, this goes far deeper than that. This is like a basic, like American civil liberty to right. own freaking digital property. Right. Like this is this this something is that a embodies American issue. values. This is deep the level of like constitutional. Like this is freedom of speech. This is mm-hmm. digital civil liberties. And and to me, this is not a about like one a kind of party um, helping and getting donations from crypto or not, or getting the crypto. This is just like, why can't we all rally around this being like core to a Western classically liberal democracy that embodies uh, human values and translates that for the digital age? That's what crypto is to me. Um, I don't know if that's uh, an effective argument on anyone in your family, but uh, that's mm-hmm. certainly what I believe. And this is also increasingly what uh, I think some some politicians are giving voice to. So we had Tom Emmer on the podcast earlier this week, David, 
And uh, I know like you were on at the beginning, you had some internet yep. connectivity mm-hmm. and then uh, you weren't Not able to fully established it. here in, in Montenegro. Yeah. Dude, you should see how fired up he was. I'm looking like, at the thumbnail, man. <laughs> it, I, I, is this a thumbnail from the car? Yes. That, I think I saw that face during, he is so fired up and we talked to him a year ago. So we talked to Tom, Tom Emmer a year ago and he's pro crypto and this, right. this time it was a different Tom Emmer, right. different politician. Uh, he clearly thinks that, um, Crypto is going to, I don't know his motivation, but assume he's just kind of a, a politician going with the votes and that, that sort of thing. He clearly thinks that this is a cornerstone of his platform. Uh-huh. And I think, David, because he is the whip in the House, that is number two, most powerful seat in the House of Representatives, I think this could become a platform for Republicans in Well, because the Democrats are letting them have it. For the Republicans, it's like, this is free real estate. Basically, and yeah. somebody's got to go get that cohort of votes, right. and we have got a two-party system, so it's going to be either one party or the other. Right. And by the way, the more one party embraces it, the more the other party has to be like, we're not those guys. Right. So yeah. that's just how Though this they works. they stand for that, we don't stand for that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I, I don't know how it's all going to unfold. It's really at its courts. It should be a bipartisan, just American issue, right. but it does seem like the Republicans are kind of making this part of their platform. We'll see how that carries in 2024. Right. When I was, so when I was arguing with my, uh, my sister is perhaps the leader of my uh, family in, in the pro Warren side of things. And she was like, yeah, yeah you, you crypto bros, like you think you don't need regulation. Like look what happened to crypto in the last year. I'm think. like, are no, you serious? We, we are begging for regulation. And this is, <laughs> this is what, this is the, you're just touting what, what Elizabeth Warren is saying. Like she's trying to position us as these like rogue yeah. shadowy super coders who don't want any, yeah. reg, any regulation. And my response to her is like, no, you're doing the same thing that she is, which is misunderstanding and misrepresenting our industry and casting us off as like these barbarians, crypto, like gunslingers. Anarchists. Please yeah. regulate us. Please. <laughs> you're going to get clipped by this, by the way. Somebody's going to clip that. Please regulate us. David Hoffman. <laughs> you're saying, clarify before you get clipped on uh, what you're actually saying. So if you can be regulated, if you are a centralized entity, if you are a bank, if you have... If you have, to, if somebody deposits trust into you, you are in need of regulation. If you are a decentralized you protocol that is permissionless and it, or also aspires to be permissionless, and you need a path to become permissionless, I mean, regulation isn't just like clamping down the gates. It's also providing clarity and paths forward for yes, crypto protocols to mature. And paths forward, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so internet, get the full clip. All right. Don't just, don't just clip David saying, please regulate us. Oh my God. Crypto bro, like screaming from, <laughs> bleeding from his eyeballs. Once regulation. Crying. Yeah. Oh Crying. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. Well, you know what? Gary Gensler, you'll be happy to know says, uh, David, the rules are already clear. Gary, this is SEC's Gensler insisting clear ru- rules for the crypto market already uh, exist. But the regulator says the digital asset industry is rife with non-compliance. You already have all of the rules in front of you. It's perfect clarity. I've already explained this to you in office hours with Gary. Your problem is you're just non-compliant. That's what Gary says. Uh, thanks, I can't wait thanks, to get- Gary. Thanks, Gary. Meanwhile, I'm looking forward you- for you testifying, by the way. <laughs> in front of Emmer, too. What's Emmer yeah. going to do? Get him, Tom. Okay. Uh, this is going on in the meanwhile, David. And this is just a contrast point. Maybe we'll end this section here. The freest country in the world, aka what America purports to be, is choking off crypto while Hong Kong is opening the floodgates. Did you see this? I am including a Bloomberg article. 
Hong Kong regulators to host meetup to help crypto firms with banking. You're, how you're just talking about like politicians filling the vacuum. Free real estate, free space here right. is exactly what Hong Kong is doing. Right. Coming out of Hong Kong, can you believe this? Yeah. Being like, yeah. okay, if New York City, the US government doesn't want to be part of this crypto revolution, doesn't want to be sort of a, a nexus for uh, finance in this world, then we will be. And I think it's straight embarrassing for the United States. And this is the take that Tom Emmer had, which I, which I share. Is America just going to build its future on debt? Are we actually going to build something again? That's right. a question. And crypt, crypto is like a new generation it's of the internet. It's an thing, invitation yeah. mm -hmm. to go build things here. And what we're doing with these policies and all of the uh, marvelous clarity Gary Gensler is giving us is driving builders offshore, outside of the United States. You are not welcome here, crypto entrepreneur. And if we keep doing that, uh, it's not going to be good for mm -hmm. uh, the United States. Crypto will be fine. It's just not going to be good for the U.S., um, maybe we'll end it there. What do we got coming up next? Oh boy, that was a wild man. Okay, coming up next, <laughs> <laughs> two more ZK, ZK EVMs land on the Ethereum mainnet. We got some good news out of Euler. MakerDAO has a new path for DAI. SBF gets in trouble, amazingly. The guy just can't get, can't stop, can't stop him. <laughs> uh, and then AI training, we're talking about AI now, uh, is okay. getting uh, called for a timeout. So all of this and more as soon as we talk to some of these fantastic sponsors that make this show possible. David, this week, the second ZK EVM just launched. So we doubled ZK EVMs <laughs> in two weeks. This is Polygon's ZK EVM. Mm -hmm. Tell us about it. Uh, so yeah, Polygon ZKM, ZK EVM, long awaited, just shipped to mainnet. Uh, Ryan John Adams, my co-host here, had a fantastic show with uh, with uh, um, Jordy Bellina and Mihalo from from Polygon. Jordy, fun fact, previously, I actually love this story because I was on. I was. Uh, it was me. This is going to be a, a deep cut of a story. It was me, Mariano Conti, <laughs> and Mihalo in ECC 2021. I had just come off out of my scooter accident, if you remember that. Oh, uh, black eye and everything? Yeah, yeah. Oh, teeth? Yeah. No, no, just a black eye. I didn't lose anything. Yeah, no, just a black eye. Did you get chip a tooth or something? You went to the yeah, dentist, Yeah, I, I, I chipped a tiny little tooth and then oh, it, okay, it yeah, came yeah. back, yeah. It grew, it grew back, yeah. Okay, uh, heck, wow. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, that and like so. Fast forward like four weeks into ECC, I still had a little, you know, a little bit of puffiness. Anyways, uh, it was me, Mariano Conti, uh, one of the, the guy that deployed multi-collateral die and maker in like 2019. We were all just getting a beer towards the end of ECC, and Mihailo gets a phone call. He looks at it, steps immediately up, and goes and answers it. And me and Mariano just continue having a beer, and then Mihailo comes back with a overjoyed like facial expression uh and we were like dude what what was that and he was like oh good news man good news i can't tell you <laughs> <laughs> it was this it was this it was the polygon acquisition of uh zk hermes of hermes which was jordy Bellina's project which is the man that you see on the screen to the left uh and fast forward to where we are today this is the culmination of that phone call of that that a partnership agreement uh and now we have the zk evm live on mainnet uh, and so that was what was launched. Uh, when was that launched? On Tuesday? Uh, Tuesday of this yeah. week? Yeah. On yeah, Tuesday. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. ETH as the gas token. Matic as, mm -hmm. the, as the payment to validators. Okay. Uh, we've got the, a full interview if you want to check mm -hmm. that out. And the cool thing is how fast and furious these ZK EVMs are, are now coming. I, I feel like this is crypto's broadband moment. This is Ethereum's broadband mm -hmm. moment, at least. Um, David, we just got our second. But here's consensus coming out and introducing a third. Man, Maybe? they're multiplying. Okay. <laughs> Lena, it's called. A developer-ready ZK rollup powered by consensus. I haven't investigated this, but they're just 
coming out of the woodwork now. We got yeah. ZK EVM suddenly. It's March 2023, and we got block space that uh, <laughs> we got is going to get real cheap. Block space. <laughs> you want block space? We got we block, block space. space. We're Ether is selling block space. <laughs> um, oh, my gosh. Be, speaking of block space, mm-hmm. uh, Layer 2 Beat. All right. I, I love Layer 2 Beat. I love Layer 2 Beat. Mm-hmm. Because they provide transparency to all of mm-hmm. these rollups that are coming to the market, and as we multiply our chains, it's hard to know what the what the um, decentralization and security guarantees are on each of these chains. Did you see this? They mm-hmm. added this um, little kind of pie chart. Uh, what are we looking at here? Yeah, so this is a five. There's a think of this like an orange slice for the podcast listener. So uh, an orange slice with five slices, and each mm-hmm. of these slices can be various colors: uh, gray yellow red and i'm assuming i'm assuming green maybe actually we don't see any green yet because we don't see nothing's any green. green yet um, actually, i actually don't know if green is, a, is possible is green possible this is this is an orange slice of um what the risks security risks yeah up. so there's yeah. five different like things that all rollups need to be secure on data availability uh where is the data stored uh and can that data be rugged upgradeability uh validator failure sequencer failure and state validation all rollups need to improve on this on all five of these things and so this pie chart that you can see um i actually am still confused as to whether or not uh Sorry, there are only three colors. Uh, there are is gray, yellow, and red. And ah, uh, okay, man, they no should green. really make gray green. Uh, gray is green. <laughs> <laughs> Intuitively, gray is green. Green doesn't gray exist, is good. but gray, gray is gray is good. Yeah. So there's gray, uh, yellow, and red. Uh, and so you can see the characterization, uh, a snapshot of what the security risks for every single layer two are and what they have to work all on. Right, basically, you you want your orange slices, you, you want the whole thing, the whole circle to be all gray. Great. Gray. And can closest, we please, Bartek, come on. Can we get this in green? <laughs> we, and the closest is Arbitrum one, right. which has uh-huh. uh, two three, orange slices out of yes. five. And it, yes, you just said orange slices, but there's no orange color, okay? David is actually talking about the orange. Not yellow. I'm I'm worried that people will, yeah. will see like Man, color we are, orange. We're we totally this screwed up this up. But we are not editing this out. All right. Yeah, this is raw, this unfiltered, one. bankless material. Two all of the orange say, slices are orange. <laughs> <laughs> all we're trying to say is go to layer2beat.com if you want to check in on the risks associated with your layer two. Just That's probably on. all we Just need to freaking next, say. Next topic. <laughs> Next. Get it out of uh, here. <laughs> Euler, good news. David Euler, the mm-hmm. exploiter, uh, returned 51,000 ETH. 51,000 ETH, 51K yeah. ETH. And actually, even more than that, because there was another transaction that returned another 7,000 Ether. There was also another transaction that I returned something like 20 million die. They got uh, 84% of their funds back. 84% of Euler exploited funds are returned. That is, if you had told me that we were going to get 84% of funds back the day it was exploited, yeah. I was like, wow, that is unheard That's- of pretty good but pretty let hard. me ask you here what 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 are these criminals doing i i wasn't following the story so like you go you hack something you you, you hack like 150 million dollars and then you go and a week later two weeks later you return 84 percent of it who does yeah. this like what is happening here so there's there's two routes so understanding that I, my, my first take on the first exploit was like man this is totally north korea because they immediately went into tornado cash tornado implying cash, yeah. that they had no intent on returning the funds um and so follow up on this story uh, and i'll give my take after this is in a series of messages written into the data of transactions on the ethereum blockchain uh the exploiter says this uh, Jacob here. Oof. I don't think what I'll, I will say will help me in any way, but I still want to say it. I fucked up. 
I didn't want to, but I messed up with others' monies, others' jobs, and others' lives. I really fucked up. I'm sorry. I didn't mean all that. I really didn't fucking mean all of that. Forgive me. And then in another transaction, he says, Jacob, apparently, uh, the rest of the money will be returned ASAP. I only look after my safety, and that is the reason for the delay. I'm sorry for any misunderstanding. Implying, if we're taking this, if we're um, taking Jacob seriously, uh, that we are going to be getting 100% back uh, of oiler exploited funds. What so, is so this? What, either two things, two, one of two things happened, maybe both. Um, one, law enforcement found him and said, hey man, you are going to jail. If you don't return the funds right now, you're going to go to jail for like a big time. If you return the funds only right now, you will only be go to jail for a little bit. Something like this. Something along <laughs> exactly. these lines. That's, that's how it works. Yeah, That's how it works. So it's directionally correct. Uh, the other <laughs> one is like he actually felt bad about all of the lives that he damaged and yeah. so he returned it out of guilt. But I'm, then I'm he also said- I'm going to go with said, option A there, David. I'm going to go with option A because he, I mean, assuming Jacob's his actual name, he was like, yo, it, the, the gig is up. You guys got me. Uh, here's all the money back and it's also me doing this. I'm sorry. Here's your I'm money back. Sorry. I'm sorry. I say crypto rock like <laughs> worst robbers in history. Imagine going like, you know, stealing something from a bank and then like returning a week later and being like, hey guys, I'm sorry. I met I was going through a rough patch. Yeah. Here's the money I back. I didn't think of the consequences. I really didn't think about it. I'm sorry. <laughs> so strange. Uh well, such is crypto and these, yeah, good these news negotiations happen money, on chain. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Maker, what's a new era has begun? Chapter zero. What are we looking at here? Uh, we are looking at a promotional graphic. Uh, if you turn on the sound, it doesn't say anything. It is just music. Uh, so I actually was trying to get the details of what this announcement means. And um, I didn't. there wasn't too much there. Uh, I went into the governance forums. I opened up the links. I looked at what was being proposed. Man, it's make a really bureaucratic. Uh, and so uh, they are tweeting out chapter zero, a new era has begun. Uh, a governance proposal has uh, passed that ratifies a new constitution, which includes for maker Dow to one, increasingly decentralize the de- de- collateral that backs die. Uh, and I think the big obvious low hanging fruit here is removing dependence on USDC, but perhaps also for real world assets. Um, second, allowing die to free float relative to the dollar. This was an original idea from MakerDAO that has kind of been pushed to the back burner for a very long time now, but now is returning. Uh, questionable. Also questionable is the timeline on this. I don't know how, like, is that this year or, or are we just saying that we still want to do this? I don't know. And also improvements to the actual governance process of MakerDAO. Um, and they also said that they are going to limit real world asset collateral. These are the notes that I have from Christy. Thank you, Christy, who did more research than me, but man is finding out what this actual announcement is actually really confusing. Yeah, uh, if the, someone can summarize this for me, that'd be really appreciated. My high level take on it was they want to go less in the direction of real world assets and more in the direction of crypto native assets because <laughs> the real world is looking a little anti crypto these days. Yeah, but probably maybe that's not what they did. Um, Ticketmaster is doing is cool. NFT stuff. This is cool. Okay. okay, but I thought Ticketmaster was the villain since yeah. they uh, jacked up those uh, Taylor Swift concerts. Yeah. And uh, you know I resent them being associated with crypto, but you're telling me this is a good thing. 
uh, if you accept it at face value, um, which maybe I'm overly optimistic and bullish on humanity, but I will, uh, Ticketmaster has launched the ability for artists to offer token-gated ticket sales, meaning that a sale can only be unlocked or accessed with a specific NFT. They've, cool. launched, they've launched a token-gated option for special access to concerts and event tickets for eligible NFT holders, and they also have a suite of artist-driven tools offering many unique ticketing services, including face value ticket exchange, a program that limits transfer and locks in resale prices at face value. I don't know if that is done by a smart contract, but in theory it could. Uh, Verified fan, a registration system that filters out scalpers and bots uh, and and bot users who are looking to acquire tickets for the purpose of reselling, and Ticketmaster Requests, a service that eliminates the traditional on-sale rush by allowing artists to sell tickets to high-demand shows through a fulfillment and request model. Um, During the purchasing process, Ticketmaster prompts a user to connect a wallet to verify ownership of an NFT. After that, it's the same buying process. So token-gated access to buying some NFTs along with some other equitable tools and services that in theory could all be smart contracts, but it wasn't stated whether they are or not. Um, this is, cool. I, is, is this the reformation of Ticketmaster? Perhaps. I, I, I wouldn't go that far, David, but look, this is a pretty big deal, actually. Ticketmaster is absolutely massive. Uh, these, mm-hmm. these tokens are minted on Ethereum and accessible via uh, MetaMask and Coinbase. This is onboarding more people to kind of NFTs. I think in any other like, you know, news cycle or week, or like in a world where Ticketmaster was less hated at this specific moment of time, we probably would have led the episode with this. Probably. Like this is actually yeah. Yeah. huge news in terms right. of the thing that we care most about, which is like onboarding the world to crypto and mm-hmm. Web3. Um, pretty big. And, I think uh, it's fair to be skeptical about Ticketmaster just by nature yeah. of what there are and their sure. incentives. Sure. And also at the same time, it's also fair to accept that this Maybe it's on Ticketmaster, but is coming. Like verifiable tickets as tokens on Ethereum by totally. some someone somewhere. Um, I bet you Gary thinks these are securities. Oh, do you want to ask him? Uh, yeah, come on the podcast, Gary. We'll ask you. Gary Barrett, uh, come you on. Know, that's that, that's the, the only way we can find out. Um, come to Office Hours with David and Ryan. <laughs> MicroStrategy, they just bought more Bitcoin. There you go. <laughs> 6,455 uh, new Bitcoins to come to a total amount of Bitcoins of 138,955. They also paid off a loan that was collateralized by Bitcoin. We tried to unpack it, didn't really understand it. Some, something else happened. But anyways, um, MicroStrategy bought more Bitcoin. It was a while. It was a while since they bought another Bitcoin. David, you didn't want me to include this uh, link, but uh, we, we had some discussion about it. Do you know... <laughs> How much God, this would Ryan, be worth? If, For the record, Bankless Nation, I told him to not do this. Let me finish. Let me finish, David. Okay, if MicroStrategy had purchased ETH rather than Bitcoin, rather than $4 billion, do you know how much they would have, David? I'm assuming more more money. $6.5 billion. Almost double. There is no second If they had bought ETH and said. David, David wanted to strip I, this because I, he I told felt Ryan it was to not do ETH this. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, you know what? I am gas today. You be breaks. <laughs> yeah. And try the, to stop YouTube it. YouTube viewers will notice that he typed in the URL <laughs> instead of instead Sorry. of pulling it up. <laughs> this might get cut by our editors. Uh, we don't I don't know if this will make it, but mm-hmm. let's talk about this. The Nasdaq is launching crypto custody service in Q2. The Nasdaq? Mm-hmm. What are they abandoning stocks, David? Are they uh 
looking over their shoulder at the crypto walking and they're they just totally you know, abandoning all stocks and equities going crypto only. That's the <laughs> okay. news. No, I'm kidding. Uh, they're uh, first primarily providing custody services for Bitcoin and Ethereum. Uh, this is the top of the rabbit hole of a long list of potential services that they could do. It starts with custody. Kind of cool. Um, Avalanche had an outage last week. What happened? Uh, Avalanche, uh, the C-chain was out of order for uh, about 50 minutes, halted the block production, uh, a bug related to blockchain validation. Uh, They released an update. Uh, This was the second time that this has happened in seven days, which triggered me to make a tweet that caused me to fight with a bunch of Solana and Avalanche people, and that was more or less my weekend. And David, sorry about all of that, and he takes it all back. Yes? (laughs) 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 But, there are some tweets. You know. There are some tweets that I could have phrased better. There are some tweets that <laughs> I could have been more precise. Everything I said, I completely believe. I've never written a single tweet that I didn't believe in. Uh, really? There are a couple. A couple. One or two might be out there. Except but, those you know. ones. Uh, except those yeah, ones. Yeah. Yeah. Except <laughs> the ones that were deleted later. Um, <laughs> the U.S. is charging SBF for bribing China. How much more trouble can this guy get in? Okay. <sighs> what's What's happening Don't, now I'm, with yeah. with Sam Bankman-Fried? That is the F- SBF. Uh, Sam Bankman-Fried, he is charging with paying $40 million to Mm -hmm. um, Chinese officials as a bribe so that they would unfreeze his hedge funds accounts. Yep. That that sounds like a crime, David. Uh, Yep. Uh, Well, they're frozen for a reason. Um, But I guess it was China that froze them, and he paid them $40 million to unfreeze them. All right. Okay. Well, now he's in trouble with two governments, I guess. Um, (laughs) This is uh, some AI news, which we usually don't cover, but I think this is uh, important. Um, Mm -hmm. This is an open letter to pause all giant, large-scale AI experiments. Mm -hmm. And I got to think that this is um, maybe not inspired by the Bankless podcast with Eliezer, but certainly inspired by Eliezer himself and his caution and concerns about AI safety issues. Bankless listeners might know, if if you didn't listen to this episode earlier in the year, you catch it in the archive, we had uh, Eliezer Yudkowsky on who um, basically told us we're all going to die because yep. AI is quite literally, inc- quite literally going to become super intelligent. We're in the process of becoming super intelligent. There was no way to keep them aligned with humanity and our ethics and morality. And so that would result in the inevitable demise of human beings. The AIs would just basically sort our atoms and do something else with them. Uh, Mm -hmm. so it seems like that's not just him that's concerned Mm -hmm. about this. This is an entire open letter saying to stop, to pause all large scale Mm -hmm. AI experiments, like stop chat GPT four is what, what I'm uh, reading in this article. Give us some more context. Stop all AI innovation more powerful than chat GPT four. That's the limit. That's the limit. We're at chat GPT four, like armistice, like everyone pause, everyone stop. So this is uh, the Future of Life Institute, which is a nonprofit organization that works to reduce global catastrophic and existential risk facing humanity, particularly from advanced artificial intelligence. So this is a petition that you can go sign. It's already signed by Elon. Elon Musk, Steve Wozniak, Gary Marcus, Yosha Bengio, uh, who I don't know, and others. Uh, if that is something Yuval that you Harari, really f- David. Oh, wow. Andrew you, Yang? Oh, wow. Yeah, wow. That's a, uh, Max Tegmark? Man, oh, you need to read some books by Max Tegmark. Uh, Ma- Our Mathematical Universe, have you read that? Also, no. Life, Life 3.0. Oh, great books, great books. Um, you'd really Look like these them. names. Uh, yeah, well, some, what's some your big take? Are you gonna Are you going to sign this, David? What's your take on this? 
I don't. I need. To I don't know that. enough to I sign this. I don't know. I actually really had to consider that for a moment. I don't know. I don't and know. I actually, I'm worried that um, signing a letter is not going to do anything to stop it. Regardless, right? Because this is a Moloch more, problem, right? So, like, say nine people out of ten agree to sign the letter and pause one, and all one defects, and one defects. Well, then that one, one country, person just gets the lead, right? Or one this company. Is, this is a classic Moloch problem. Yeah. Well, um, uh, we're I, I, had, I will have to say that. Uh, the Eliezer podcast that we did, like I've heard from multiple people that it had made waves in the AI community more than it had before. And I think it was important that Eliezer did a non-AI podcast for that to reach new audiences and permeate outbound. outbound. So we've, I'm not, we've got I'm, I think this is not necessarily a coincidence that this letter is happening right now. Look, we are not done exploring um, AI, the AI yes. safety problem. And I think our next, the next stop for, for Bankless is to get the kind of the counterpoint to Eliezer, yeah. someone who's a bit more optimistic yep. on AI. So we've got some guests lined up in this uh, is what we do. April. Yes. Um, so expect a deep dive there and, and maybe oh, at here, some point. This, this will be a, a fun piece of trivia. The, a, yeah. the, the AI guest that we have recorded, I think we're recording with him next week or maybe the week after. Week no, after, a couple, yeah. couple weeks. Yeah, week after. Yeah. Uh, spoke at ETH Denver 2018. So if you <laughs> care to find out who that is, there's a little bit of trivia for you. All right. Someone will find out. Um, mm -hmm. Dune integrates chat GPT-4. Wow. Okay. Uh, speaking of, is this yeah, the, right. the crypto plus AI of course, yep. um, you know, conversation, this is Dune Analytics, fantastic dashboard for coming up Almost with all sorts viewing of crypto everything. Analytics. We use it so frequently on the roll-up to show data. It's a, a kind of a complicated dashboard to operate. As yeah. a not, I haven't really dove down how to spin up a board, but uh, I mean, I, I guess I, data so always using, uses it. Hildabi uses it. We've used Dune Analytics on the weekly roll-up many, many times. It requires is, kind of a technical brain to operate. This is what's so fascinating though about ChatGPT and why I think it's so hard to stop because like like right now it's so damn useful. Could, mm -hmm. could you imagine going to like, you and I don't know SQL, um, not very good with this, we can't construct our own boards. Wouldn't you love to be able to go to like Dune Analytics and type in like, and just give me the number Siri. of ETH addresses yeah. um, from date, you know, January to, right. to March that um, staked ETH. Boom, right. outputs an answer. Like that's what ChatGPT4 can do and it's going to consume all of this public available um, blockchain data anyway. Mm -hmm. And so that's part of the Moloch trap is how do you stop right. it? So it's right. too useful to try right. to shut down. All the uh, Dune board creators who do like selfless work and create boards for us to view. Like again, like people like Hildabi, people like uh, Data Always, there's a few others. Um, we are now going to be thanking chat GPT-4 and their services will no longer be needed. Sorry guys. <laughs> I, well, <laughs> look, the, the bull case is it, it uh, for, for them is it allows people to operate on a higher order of rather than constructing the right, dashboards, yeah. you just have to know what questions to ask. The right. AI, yeah. I, I said that facetiously because I thought it was funny. Yeah, sorry. I'm taking things too seriously yeah, because it's the AI topic and it scares me, David. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, that's cool. Uh, by the way, um, I am an investor in Dune Analytics. And I, I don't think we oh. mentioned this. You and I are both investors in uh, uh, L2Beat. Um, Got to mention oh, yeah. this, of course. All of our disclaimers are always at bankless.com slash disclaimers. Mm -hmm. David, uh, MetaMask is integrating sign-in with Ethereum much Love more it. natively these days. What's uh, what's this news? 
Yeah, so this is Bruce ID, the Twitter account. Uh, Bruce is basically the uh, studio behind Sign In with Ethereum. Uh, so Sign In with Ethereum is now being, so like yeah, everyone knows, they're like, you know, log in with Facebook, log in with Google. MetaMask is now having like a log in, a sign in button, and it is integrating with the Sign In with Ethereum protocol. Uh, and so that is what is being announced here today. Sign in with Ethereum and integrated with MetaMask. David, uh, I think we're going to see sign in with Ethereum on more websites, including I, including ours. This little website right here, uh, Bankless.com has silently added the ability to connect with your ETH address. Look at me doing this. Connect your wallet. The Look real Bankless you. way to log in. All with right. MetaMask, me. our favorite wallet and sponsor ever. Thank you. Um, connecting with an address. Boom. Sadly, we don't see that part on screen. Uh, sign in to verify identity. Let's fucking go. This is dope. There we, we go. Are, we don't see the um, MetaMask because uh, Zoom doesn't do the uh, screen share for MetaMask. Sorry. Right. Uh, and then I just signed in. So I linked my wallet with my bankless citizenship. Mm -hmm. And now I don't have to log in in order to access all bankless citizen content. That you don't have to log in with your email awesome. and password. You do get to log in with your... Ethereum yep. address. Yeah. So when we All launched the Bankless website, it was unequivocally the, the most one of the most positive responses about the website. Like everything, everybody was positive except for one complaint. <laughs> no which, signing with Ethereum, which was that they that they needed to log in with an email and password. That was the yes. one. Everyone, everything was unequivocally one positive, thing. and this one person was like, "Bankless bad because signing in with." Oh, an email address. And first off, I'll remind you, we're a newsletter. <laughs> we need your email address. And fast forward, however many weeks ago, we launched this website for about a month ago. Now we have signed with Ethereum. Yeah, it's just actually, it was like two weeks. It took us God, that was, that. oh, two, wait, when did we yeah. launch the website? Two weeks ago? Know, mid, yeah, two weeks, two, maybe two and a half. Jesus, um, time is weird. Yeah, zoom in. Uh, by the way, speaking of uh, Zoom in fast, do you like wow, that? Wow. Uh, Kraken Exchange just announced an official partnership with Williams Racing. And what's uh -huh. cool about this is there's some way that Kraken has provided for you to get your NFT potentially mm -hmm. on mm -hmm. the back of an, uh, a race car. Yep. On the back yeah, of a so, Williams uh, Racing This race is car. a partnership with Williams Racing of F1. So this is F1 Motorsports. It's not um, NASCAR. Not NASCAR, European, uh, European okay. yes. Uh, so New Horizons, New Frontiers for Kraken, if you will. So they have a Kraken logo on a race car. So Kraken's getting a race car. And they have real estate on this race car for your listener, you, that's you, your NFT could be on the Kraken race car. How do, do you do get it. your do NFT? Not put your, do not freaking put your dick butt on the back. Do not I, shame the I crypto could. industry. I could. Don't. I'm I could asking do it. you not. I'm, I'm do asking it. you not to, though. <laughs> not, not to try. <laughs> How do you feel about an MFR? He's totally going to try. Uh, um, I feel fine about an MFR. Okay. But not a dick butt? Uh, honestly, it, whatever you want to do, dude. It's, <laughs> it's permissionless, all right? I can't uh -huh. stop you anyway. I won't even try. Uh, so the details of how to get your NFT on this race car uh, is in the, in this link in the show notes. Uh, you put your NFT, I'm assuming this is how this works, you put your NFT into the Kraken NFT platform and then probably sign up. I bet you that's how that works. There you go. Kraken, Kraken is a sponsor of Bankless. Thank you. Uh, also adding layer two support, which we yeah. always, uh, we we always that. appreciate. We love that. Um, you yeah. can now send and receive your stable coins natively to Arbitrum. There you go. Mm -hmm. Uh, David, um, some other layer two releases going on. Conduit is a crypto yeah. native infrastructure program that allows you to launch a rollup in just a few clicks. 
I'm pretty sure we predicted this feature would be coming. Like you can the, the now OP issue stack. a token, the OP stack, yes. Yeah. So the, the whole idea a long, long time ago was that the OP stack is the ERC-20 token for rollups. Here we have a startup that is executing on that idea. So that not only is this a release, it's also a raise announcement. So this is a startup that wow. raised, I think, $7 million from Paradigm. Uh, nice. And they are one-click OP stack deployment. Man, that is really, really cool. Um, I think so, it's really cool. Yeah, that's really cool. Uh, We're gonna have you know you know how it's um, uh, very easy now like to launch your your own token and that was revolutionary Mm -hmm. in twenty twenty sixteen with Ethereum has basically provided a platform for that. Now it's going to be just as easy to launch your own entire chain. So we're going to have an absolute explosion of chains when it's as easy to spin up a website, launch a token as it is an entire chain. David, we got tokens, we got chains. We also got jobs, David, new jobs of the week. And I uh, got to do a shout out for a very important role Bankless is hiring for. What do we need here? Uh, what we need is someone to edit this podcast that you are listening to right now. We are looking for a podcast video editor slash Media operations. So if you are familiar with audio and video editing software, if you've ever edited a podcast before, if you've ever edited a video before, we are interested in talking to you, especially if you live in EST or European time zones because a bankless nation never stops producing content. So we (laughs) quite literally need podcast editors across the globe because Ryan and I produce way too much content at all hours of the day. So that is the job. If you want to work directly with me and Ryan to edit and produce podcasts, uh, please click link in the show notes and apply. We got uh, 30, maybe 40 million downloads, I think, on the podcast. We're trying to get to uh, 100 million and then a billion. That could uh-huh. be a, a metric you help us reach here. Um, yeah. Got some other jobs going on too. Rise is hiring a marketing manager, a sales development representative. Uniswap needs a senior product designer, an application security engineer, and a senior mobile engineer who's a React native. You can find all of that and more at the Bankless job site bankless.palette.com slash jobs. David, what do we have coming up next? Coming up next, we got the questions from the nation. We're going to talk about whether or not Ryan changed anything about our portfolio as Bology uh, scared us out of our pants. We'll talk about that as well as who was the first ZK EVM on mainnet. And then we got some takes of the week and we got what we're bullish on. And then we got some memes of the week. There's more than one meme this week. So stay tuned because both of them are very, very good. But first, a moment to talk about some of these fantastic sponsors that make this show possible. We've got the questions of the week. This is a question from Big Wiggle 501 from the Bankless Citizen Discord. After your chat with Bology, does your portfolio remain the same? Or have you made any changes? I think this is a question to you and I. Did you uh, make any changes after mm-hmm. the 90-day Bitcoin bet and our conversation with Bology? Uh, I want, Brian, you to guess whether I changed anything. Um, no, David, you did not change a thing, in, unless there is the slight probability that you just purchased some more ETH, is my guess. I would consider that not changing my strategy. <laughs> <laughs> so you didn't, is that Correct. Yes, no uh, I, I will say like during the Bology week, the Bitcoin, the bit, bit signal week, I was like, hmm, okay, maybe I should perhaps reconsider my position, reconsider because my trade. Because you don't have any Bitcoin or you have a little bit of Bitcoin? What's your- Well, te- no, technically I'm short Bitcoin because I have oh. sold Bitcoin for Ether to do my Ether long I bet. I think that that's short Bitcoin relative to ETH. It's not relative short Relative to Bitcoin. Ether, not to the dollar. I don't think yes. you would be short Bitcoin to oh, the dollar, Oh, I would, would never you? ever be short any crypto asset ever. 
God, are you insane? No <laughs> Why would you? I'm offended. Why remember you remember the that? person that got liquidated shorting Luna while it was crashing? Like, no way. No yeah. way. Anyways. Yeah. Uh, so no, I did not change anything. Um, I, in the, while I did like need to like take a moment and like reflected and reconsider. It's like, okay, Bology saying this, Arthur Hayes also saying this. Um, perhaps this is not the time to have a net short position against Ether versus Bitcoin. Uh, I waited until next week to like sleep on it and then reassess. And I have decided that I will not do anything. So you're you're still bullish on ETH relative to Bitcoin. Right. So yes. you're, you're, you're still making a bet on the ratio then too. Correct. You're even doing more. Correct. Well, like, like I said, that is a 18 plus month long position. Uh, and I don't think anything's changed. My position has not changed either. Um, I've been long Bitcoin for a long time. But oh, right. I so Ryan actually does on Bitcoin. I do. Uh, I have not purchased Bitcoin also in a long time. Yeah. Um, and uh, I will continue purchasing ETH. I think that um, everything that Balaji and Arthur um, say, mm-hmm. um, I I don't do this in my mind, but like you can kind of substitute Ether as an asset. I don't think that um, Balaji or Arthur fully understand or believe in the uh, monetary premium virtues of Ethereum in a mm-hmm. high conviction way that you or I do. But I think mm-hmm. anything basically that benefits the monetary premium story of Bitcoin actually um, doubly benefits. Maybe I, I shouldn't maybe claim kind of any sort of ratio, but yeah, right. even more so benefits the uh, Ethereum narrative over the long run. So I haven't changed over the, the thing. long run. Big emphasis on over the long run totally, because I totally. actually will take Bology's side that, and and I do take Bology's side that the banking crisis puts the wind in the sails of the Bitcoin narrative, totally, and also agree. the long term Ethereum fundamentals, yep. but. Emphasis on long-term, like that doesn't hit until later. But Ryan, that is the long-term perspective that you have, that you take. Yeah, it was kind of, it was basically, it was more confirmation. Okay, well, this is what crypto people have been saying for for a while. And it looks like this is, this is happening. So I haven't changed a thing, but also was really like already way overweight crypto. So there's not much I could change. I can't get any more (laughs) bullish. All right. Um, This is a related question though. If you're going to have an IRA for a seven-year-old crypto friend, uh, 70, not seven year old. How would you diversify right. into ETH and Bitcoin? So, um, somebody was on the older side uh, mm. in that generation. What, what, what would you advise them of a hundred percent? So they, they have, yeah. there they have their pool of other assets and now they want to know, I've got some pool for crypto. What should I buy? Not financial advice, but, right. um, your hypothetical If, I, if friend, I was a financial advisor who would in theory therefore give financial and if advice, this wasn't which I'm not. A, for entertainment only, then if what this would wasn't for entertainment only. Yeah. So the seventy the seventy year old is an interesting detail because that implies like, you know, an end of life phase. And so yeah, the question is a, like you, yeah. yeah, how healthy is a seventy year old? Are they living like five more years, twenty more years? Oh, like God. how much right. Well, I mean like at that point like you have to start to consider these things, right? And so if we're thinking a five to ten year long time horizon, the shorter the time horizon the more weight I would go to Bitcoin. And if really? we are thinking that this is a, a 70-year-old yoga person who still goes on runs, then I would start to shift more towards Ether. So if, they, if we're thinking short-term, I would go 50-50 Bitcoin Ether because that is my bias towards Ether. Uh, and then, you know, as soon as we start to hit like 10 to 15 to 20-year-long time horizons, I would start to go, maybe if we're doing a 20-year-long time horizon, I would go 80% Ether, 20% Bitcoin. Similar to what I would say, and uh, yeah. it's interesting you're not saying any other tokens, but like so it'd just be ETH and Bitcoin, right? 
Um, I, I mean, my, if they want to hear my shitcoin portfolio, I'm happy to. <laughs> my, my base case I'm would be like. happy to talk about that. <laughs> 70 per, actually, I would do either 70 or 80% ETH and either 20, 30% Bitcoin. And I would do that ETH, a portion mm-hmm. of that nice staked ETH. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you are um, in your 70s, like how nice is it to have some sort of fixed income asset as right. well? So you have right. the option to kind of sell yeah. it as it comes in or, or yep. keep it. Uh, and that is something that, that ETH staking provides, uh, and is, is pretty unique. So I definitely mm-hmm. overweight on ETH either 70 to 80%, but I would have some Bitcoin. It wouldn't be 0% for a, a 70 year old. Yeah, um, I think that's right. Yeah. Okay. And how about by this the way, I, I say the term shit coins like endearingly, like I love my shit coins. I don't okay. think, I don't think they're shitty. I love the term them. of endearment. Yes. Uh, yeah. This is a rocket pollster question. Who really was the first ZK EVM to mainnet? Who won, David? Yeah. So like, I'll, I'll put a metaphor. You know, when like, uh, I did this to my sibling, um, you know, when like a sibling like licks something to claim <laughs> something. Yeah. That's yeah. kind of what happened with the ZK EVMs. It's like that one just like, <laughs> you know, stuck got their you tongue a technicality. out. And, yeah, exactly. Z, uh, ZK Sync was technically first. Be Polygon by a few days. I will have to say, ZK Sync has been around for since 2017, 2018. We were processing Gitcoin transactions with ZK Sync, the first ZK Sync rollup, uh, which was a ZK rollup, not a ZK EVM, but so but it has been around for a while. The fact that Polygon is anywhere close to that is like a huge tip of the hat to the Polygon engineering team for catching up to 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 um, to ZK Sync. But ZK Sync was technically first. There you go. ZK Sync was first. My my uh, answer would be, and does it matter? I mean, they were yeah. three or four days apart. Like right. we're getting yeah. uh, ZK EVMs right. every week now. Uh, mm. I think we're okay. Uh, you know, that probably won't matter in the grand scheme of things. David, let's do some takes of the week. You ready? We'll start with yours. Oh man, this is okay. This is the take that triggered a bunch of fighting out there. So, um, so sometimes, well, actually, it was this one and another one. Uh, sometimes, this is my take. Sometimes I feel bankless. Us, that's us, right? Uh, should victory lap more often? We ignored Solana, Avalanche, and Terra during the bull market, in which we got our not friendly label as blind ETH maxis. The thing that happened next was Solana went down 80% versus Ether. Avalanche went down 70% versus Ether. Luna's basically at zero. More or less for all the same reasons that they would be. Uh, that this is unsustainable. Uh, this is just like the in what's in vogue at the moment. And we chose to not cave to external pressure and not cover something that we didn't really understand or believe in. Uh, and then meanwhile, we focus on layer twos. And so our listeners disproportionately got the OP and Arbitrum airdrops compared to other media organizations because that's what we chose to focus on. And we also pounded the table about cross layer one bridge risk. So I can't take credit for, of course, all of this stuff, but I'm saying that our listeners leaned in towards layer twos more than alt layer ones and also leaned in to, uh, shied away from cross layer one bridge risk. Uh, and so we got a lot of shit in the second half of 2021 because that was not in vogue. Layer twos were not cool during that time. You know what was cool? Art lay- alt layer ones. Um, and you and I had conversations many times like, dude, are, are we out of touch like with what's going on? Um, and perhaps in that moment, maybe we were. Uh, but this is when we decided that Bankless is making content for things that you and I believe in, not what other people want us to believe. Uh, and so that choice, I think, has been to the great benefit of our listeners so far and all the choices that we've made about Bankless and the things we choose to talk about and how we talk about them. I would make again immediately 
Bankless is not perfect, but neither is this industry. And I think if you can scroll down, because I don't have my own treatment list, uh, <laughs> I only hope that we can continue this track record. And that was my take of the week. Yeah, uh, I, I agree with that. You know, and you know, I gotta, I gotta play the the, the role of uh, making sure that we inject some humility into this too. Hundred percent. Definitely doesn't mean that we're perfect. Um, and maybe it's the Canadian in me, David, but like, uh, I have a hard time like tweeting a victory lap type tweet. So I'm, I'm glad sure. you do that on behalf yeah. of Bankless because hey, if we I'm don't do it, breaks. <laughs> who else is going to? But right. um, I, I will say um, we're, we're definitely not perfect, but uh, I, I hope the listeners know that what you hear on Bankless is um, authentically what we actually believe. And mm-hmm. we try to stay as curious and open-minded uh, as possible. Um, we're also not perfect at that. Um, we also have our biases, but um, I'm actually not against... Like I, I, I think um, I think you want somebody in crypto to have biases, right? They just have to mm-hmm. be biased towards um, the right things. Like whenever possible, we try to be biased towards bankless technologies and towards decentralization and towards things and products we think are making the world better and are in it for the long-term game. So um, I appreciate bias as long as it's not right. like it's long-term oriented bias. Right. And uh, we, we do try to maintain that here. Um, so we appreciate... Like everyone kind of holding us accountable uh, for these values. Um, I do think at times we've been um, <laughs> maligned a, a little harshly, um, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, we're, we're going to keep bringing this this right. platform to you guys. And uh, you'll always know that when you come to Bankless, this is what David and I authentically think, whether it's right, right or wrong. And maybe we'll be a little stubborn on some of our convictions. Yeah. I think that's uh, reinforced that a little in us finding the balance of, Conviction and yet being open-minded is probably the sweet spot for all investors. Yeah. Last thing I'll say yeah. on this is do not expect Bankless to be journalists. Don't use the, yes. we are not journalists. We don't like the right? J word. We don't like we that talk word. About, we talk about news, but we, have, we are and always have been crypto investors that are on the journey going Bankless and we're just sharing what we're learning here. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, maybe we'd turn that into a, right. what Bankless is kind of right. take and, and message. Yeah. And we also attempt to wear our biases on our sleeves. Like it's not like we're hiding them and like shoving them in the closet. Like I think we're pretty open and transparent about how we're biased. Uh, and then I also followed up this tweet with one small, uh, more another follow on tweet saying, I'll be much happier to talk about Solana and Avalanche Rip Luna next bull market after they've completed a full stress test cycle. Uh, meanwhile, gearing up for another round of shit thrown at us during next year's <laughs> next crops, uh, next cycle's crop of new layer ones with a community, brand new people new to the space. It does happen every cycle, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. David, this is a, a David Friedberg tweet. Mm-hmm. Cash is now a risk asset is a pretty big paradigm shift. Cash being a risk asset is a big paradigm shift. What's he saying here? Uh, basically, I'm, this is uh, talking about the bank insolvencies, right? So if you hold your money in a bank and that bank is at risk of going insolvent, your cash is now at risk. The other thing you could do is hold United States treasuries, but like that's also at risk. Uh, and so like nowhere is safe in your dollars. Uh, Dave, yeah. David Freeberg is a, a co-host of the All In podcast, for those that did not know that. Ah, uh, right, 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 okay. He's the uh, um, sultan of science, if you listen I, to it. I, um, I also had a take on risk. I was thinking about risk this week and because there's something I was you know confused with. When, when they teach you sort of portfolio theory and, and you go to kind of finance classes, uh, in your undergraduate or in business school, they always talk about this term called volatility. And the finance textbooks seem to equate volatility with risk, like they're one and the same. If if an asset or a portfolio is volatile, that also means it's risky. I, I got to say, David, I as a, just an investor, 
like practically, um, have found that 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 is not true at all. And right. I think particularly when you look at um, like crypto, this is an asset that is very volatile, but surprisingly low risk. And I don't mean all crypto, by the way, because there are some very risky crypto assets. But I'm, in particular, I'm talking about something like Bitcoin or Ether. Mm-hmm. And so I tweeted this. I consider ETH a volatile asset. I do not consider it particularly risky. People often mistake volatility and risk. Another way to say that maybe is um, ETH and Bitcoin feel more risky than they actually are. Mm -hmm. For me, because they can go down 80%, like 85% relative to the dollar. That means they're volatile. But if you held, did you actually lose anything? And so going back to this... um, this tweet from David Friedberg, cash is now a risk asset, right? I, for me, treasuries are much more risky than ETH. Like I r- ETH. Risk in the real way of it being risk, not yes. volatility. Yes, uh, this is um, Fiscantis who, who tweeted, right. and I think clarified the point that I'm making. Volatility becomes risk when mm-hmm. one, you use leverage. That's how volatility can increase risk. Or two, your time horizon is short or unpredictable. Mm-hmm. That's totally how volatility becomes risk. But volatility and risk are not the same thing. And people, I think, uh, look at crypto as an asset class and confuse those two. Um, the, the other thing is number three is uh, what I would add to F- Fiscanti's tweet here is if you cannot stomach volatility, that also right. increases your risk. If you have like a visceral emotional reaction right. to seeing your crypto portfolio appreciate 5x and then go down 85%, or if you don't have convictions, another way to say this, you definitely increase the risk that right. you are going to hit the sell button at the and it time. becomes a much more risky asset. Right. So um, I don't know if that makes sense to you, but like this mm-hmm. is, by the way, um, what they teach you in business school. They right. teach you that volatility and risk are one and the same thing. And in order to decrease risk, you want to you decrease volatility, but it does nothing to reduce tail risk. And it hasn't really... that. That paradigm on the world has not helped me become a better mm-hmm. uh, investor in the crypto asset space. Um, yeah. I think understanding that paradigm uh, early on when I was getting into crypto and everyone was like, crypto could go to zero. It's super risky. But then you understand the fundamentals of crypto. And it's like, it actually cannot go to zero. It actually, like, a buyer steps in somewhere. Right. Like, it it kind of can't. Uh, and like all of a sudden, like you start to understand and unpack this difference. There's one thing about Fiscanti's uh, tweet I want to change actually a little bit. Uh, number one, if you use leverage, I want to change mm. that to your uh, measure of exposure. So like say mm. I have $100. Uh, if I have $1 of Bitcoin and $99, uh, that volatility of Bitcoin is not a risk. Yep. Uh, if I have $100 of Bitcoin and $0, and also I need to pay rent and put food on the table, then that volatility does become risk. And then you can also get into leverage and you can leverage $100 into $150. And then that volatility becomes super risky. So it actually isn't a binary about whether you are or are not on leverage. It's a function of your exposure to the asset and your short-term needs. I think that's a great point. Uh, and it's totally true. And I'd also say that might uh, come packaged in with the, the term leverage, because in a way, mm-hmm. what you're sort of doing is you're leveraging your future ability to pay rent. Sure. <laughs> when yes. you like risk too much in crypto, right? <laughs> uh-huh. I guess it's a form of leverage, but yeah, the point is uh, completely valid. All right, got to ask you the question, what are you bullish on this week, David? Okay, so this is a, a different one this week. Uh, this is the permissionless 2023 Twitter account. 
which it's its job is to promote the twenty permissionless twenty twenty three conference, which I'm a huge fan of. I love promoting it. It is also Ryan the best meme account in crypto Twitter <laughs> that I have been able to find. It is extremely obvious that a Zoomer runs this account, and they are making some memes that I have never seen before, and they are hilarious. New territory, new frontiers. New territory, new yes. <laughs> And so like, it's super Zoomer and I, I chuckle at every single one. Also, there's a healthy amount of SpongeBob memes, which I'm a big fan of. Uh, but <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> Dude, the, the, even the <laughs> least funny so memes here are better than most people's memes. Oh, yeah. And so I, my call that my, what I'm bullish here. on is like, I'm just bullish on the memes and jokes that are coming out of this, out well, of this account. Like I will go. say okay. it, it's, uh, <laughs> I haven't seen this Twitter account do much else other than one promote permissionless and two make memes about permissionless. This is why it exists. And I'm sorry, I'm this is just product market fit. Oh, I just love it. <laughs> I just think it's so funny. Well, 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 David's so excited about the memes, which I also am. Uh, you know that con- the conference is coming up, and yeah. uh, we're going to be there. I hope the Bankless Nation is going to be there. Mm-hmm. That's September 11th through 13th in Austin. Uh, mm-hmm. Thousands of crypto folks there. It's uh, talking about DeFi, talking about you know NFTs, talking about crypto, regulatory, institutional, everything. It's a fantastic mm-hmm. conference. And by the way, and if you are a bankless citizen, you get a discount, right, David? What is that? Thirty like? percent, which pays for a year's worth of your bankless membership. Also, ticket prices go up every two weeks. I think there's something in the four hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. They go up. By a percentage, by the way, which means it's exponential. So if you are now interested in getting permissionless ticket, you would behoove you to go get a ticket earlier and also pay the subscription while you're at it. (laughs) There you go. Uh, Ryan, what are you bullish on? I Look, uh, I really enjoyed the Jim Bianco episode. It was my favorite episode um, that we put out this week, I think. And one thing that he, he, he said sort of stuck out to me, which we're beginning to see, the beginning of crypto decorrelate become uncorrelated yeah, with the right. stock market right mm-hmm. we have we have inc- we have promised the world an alternative financial system an alternative banking system and if we are just acting like a risk on asset that um, is completely correlated with the stock market right. and it just it's just a magnified version of holding S&P 500 that's not the ticket that's not an alternative banking system right. And so what we're seeing is, um, you know, bank stocks down, crypto up. That is a good indicator that we are starting to build on this harder path, which is an alternative money system, an alternative financial system that's there for you when the central banks and the banking system fail. And, and that's really as the, the existing system, it's, it's fault lines show more and more as that narrative propagates is that um as that truth um propagates crypto should be showing should be going up right and it's showing or it's too early to call it but it's showing early signs of actually doing that and uh that that makes me bullish because that means maybe the market is a little bit smarter and that we're not just like a you know meme like funded meme stock kind of uh market as that's the way it was acting in the end of 2021 and, and 2022, mm-hmm. this is uh, it feels much more real and substantive than ever before. So that's what's making me bullish. Yeah, um, I think not only uh, that, as in like crypto now can express itself independently from the stock market, but the other big takeaway I had with Jim Bianco was that 
the economy, the health of the economy is is now being expressed in the stock market, which also has not been true for a very long time. And so the fact that those were divergent is not a sign of health. And the fact that economic strength is now a requirement for the stock market to go up just makes me feel good because that means Main Street and Wall Street are being connected again. So another reason we, to be bullish about the trad world. Yeah, there you go. Speaking of uh, Jim Bianco too, he put he puts out some dank memes himself. The Bianco Research <laughs> yeah, account. He's giving, giving the permissionless account to run for their money. This is uh, <laughs> Janet Yellen. What are we looking at here? Uh, so Jim Bianco tweets out, Yellen, Yellen, the banking system is sound and resilient. And this is a Photoshop picture of Yellen who's playing <laughs> the slots at a casino. And let me tell you, it does not look photoshopped. That look, uh, she looks like a lady who could be at the slot like, machines. Man, she looks like she's having a great time. I don't think oh, she's looking at She's having this a blast, fantastic. man. Uh, yeah. We also got and another se- one. Second meme. Second meme second of the week meme. from Fiscantes. Mm-hmm. And this is a SpongeBob meme, so you know David included it. Uh, the U.S. <laughs> government says, let's kill crypto by any means necessary apart from total banning, call it Operation Choke Point. And then crypto, and this is a picture of SpongeBob with like these pincer things that are squeezing SpongeBob made of a sponge around the neck. And you can just see SpongeBob is just like, just chilling. Like he's kind just of loving it. He's just like, yeah, he's slightly giggling because he's a sponge, you know? Like crypto is like a river. It just routes around. It's most the biggest obstacle and then continues. I mean, the tighter they squeeze, though, the bigger crypto gets. This is the right. this is the problem that centralized institutions mm-hmm. are going to have with, with crypto is squeeze like, me, you're baby. proving our point <laughs> if you squeeze us, you know? Um, risk and disclaimers. <laughs> Got to end with this, of course. Crypto is risky. You know it is. You could lose what you put in. But we are headed west. This is the frontier. It's not for everyone, but we're glad you're with us on the bankless journey. Thanks a lot. None of this has been financial advice. 